Welcome everyone to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolzma. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode, because you know if it's happening in the world of Christian historical fiction, we're going to be talking about it here. Before we get started, please make sure that you subscribe to Christian Historical Fiction Talk on your favorite podcasting platform so that you don't miss out on any of the great topics or the wonderful guests that we have lined up. There is so much in store in the coming months that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you, and so I want to make sure that you are able to join me for all of that. Also, please be sure to follow us on social media. You can find Christian Historical Fiction Talk on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have some great conversations over there. I ask questions, and we have polls, and you suggest books to me. So there is a lot going on over there, and please check that out. If you would like to know more about today's author and about her books, you can check out the show notes on my website, which is liztolsma.com. If the site is still under construction when you go there, and it might be, then please head over to christianhistoricalfiction.buzzsprout.com. The show notes are all there as well, and you can find out the same information there as you would on my website. I think that takes care of all of our preliminary business. So I am very pleased to welcome today's guest. She is an award-winning and best-selling author of biblical fiction. So we'll be talking some biblical fiction today. She writes mostly about Old Testament women. She lives in southeastern Michigan, and she loves to ride her bike check out new restaurants with her hubby, and she has a cat named Tiger. So that's a little bit about her. She's going to share a little bit more about herself in just a minute here. So please join me in welcoming today's guest, author Jill Eileen Smith. Welcome to the show, Jill. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me. It's our pleasure. Why don't we start off with having you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Professionally, I'm a writer that has been pursuing the craft for longer than I can remember and sold my first book after 20 years of trying in 2007, came out in 2009. It was the end of 2007. And so I've been writing ever since, mostly for Ravel. I did one book for Guideposts. But other than that, it's been with Ravel. On a personal level, I am a wife and a mom of three adult sons. Two are married with two little girls. So I have two little granddaughters, five and one. And they all live on the West Coast, way too far away from me. But they are my kryptonite, if you would call it that. If uh, the phone were to ring right now, I would probably say, oh, I have to answer this, but they won't do that. So <laughs> they're on a different time zone, so we don't connect like that, but it, they they can interrupt me anytime. So almost anytime. So anyway. I'll bet. How sweet to have two little granddaughters. Yes. It is cool since we raised three sons, so it's different to get to know girls, you know, in a different way. 
I'm sure all the cute little clothes and everything that you get to spoil them with now. <laughs> yeah, not so much. We let the parents do that. It's more toys if they need them. So, <laughs> Well, that's fun too. <laughs> yeah. Your new release is Miriam's Song. That's the title mm-hmm. of it. And it's about the biblical character Miriam, who was Moses' sister. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick Miriam as the main character, the focus of this book? Well, mainly because Ravel prefers I focus on women in scripture. That's kind of across the board in most publishers because I think way back in the day, I don't know if it's still true, but statistically women read more novels like that and they like to read about other women in the Bible more than they want. At least that's what the marketing has shown. Rather than pick up a book on Noah, they would rather read about his wife. So with Miriam, a book on Moses might have uh, drawn attention, and there's certainly more material there, but he's in the book plenty, and it's really, it's Moses's story in a way, but I tried to tell it through Miriam's eyes because it is her story too. I just, a lot of it had to come from fiction because there's not much in scripture on her. And her story was decided to be written as a co-decision between Ravel and I. They, I had just written a book about a male character, mainly King Solomon, The Heart of a King, and they wanted two books on women. So we had picked Esther, and then we chose Miriam. And what was the most difficult part about writing Miriam? I think you've kind of alluded to it, but can you elaborate on that a little bit? Just that there's nothing hardly in scripture on her. She, I mean, we all know she was the big sister who watched her baby brother in the water in the ark and the princess found her and she spoke to the princess. So we know that whole story from childhood. And then we don't really hear much about her after that. Moses goes to live in the palace and she's called a prophetess. She's called we know she sang a song with Moses she was a leper because she complained against Moses for a week God gave her leprosy and she died and I don't think we know much else so everything else had to be what was it like in the time in which she lived what was it like to be a slave and the mother or not the mother but the sister of both Moses and Aaron Did she marry? Did she have children? The Bible doesn't tell us, but in her day, it would have been common. So you would like to stick with what most of the cultural people of the day would have done. Um, That's why the Israelites grew to be such a vast number of people. They kept having children, and it was likely she was one of those people having children. But I had to make that up, and so... In the book, you, I do include real people like Moses' wife and Aaron's wife and explore them and their stories a little bit. I created Miriam's husband from a, a true biblical character, with, and his son was a biblical character, but we don't know who the mother was. That's why I chose Miriam to be the mother, even though they were from different tribes. Because I think they 
there's a place in scripture somewhere where they did sometimes intermarry in tribes, just they weren't supposed to marry outside of, they shouldn't have married outside of their clan later on, but they were definitely not to marry outside of Israel or the Hebrew people. But even then, that wasn't set in stone because Moses married a Midianite and then a Cushite. So all those laws weren't enacted yet because Moses hadn't been given those laws. But anyway, it, it's her story as much as I could make it her story. But I had to know Moses and Aaron to understand what she went through. So it could be her story. Very interesting. What is research like for a story like Esther's story or Miriam's story that's set in the Old Testament? Well, Esther and Miriam were different than my past books because the very first one was set just around 960 B.C., around the Iron Age, and then you went back to 2000 B.C., ancient Mesopotamia, different area, different year, and then there were moving forward into the judges period. So we're, my books are all over the place, but it wasn't until Esther who was beyond, and then Miriam, because she said in Egypt, and there's a lot of knowledge, historical knowledge on Egypt. I've got books on Egypt. When I homeschooled, we we did study Egypt, ancient Egypt, and it's fascinating, but no one knows for sure which pharaoh was on the throne when Joseph was there or when Moses was there. And then there's different periods of time for the Exodus, and some have an earlier date, some have a later date, and depending which date you go with obviously will depend on which pharaoh was ruling. And since no one knows for absolute sure, it's a judgment call on what fits the best with what I could discover. And so that's why mine is set where it's set. It's, it was the best I could come up with with the research that I found. With Esther, her story had a real, I mean, Xerxes was a character inside scripture and outside scripture. So he's talked about in Herodotus and we can get a little information from Herodotus, but it would have been biased because Herodotus was Greek and the Greeks defeated the Persians. And so they always make their history, you know, the victor writes the history. And so that was like, how much do you take as true. But even so, he claimed that Xerxes' wife was a mistress. And commentators are like, well, maybe Vashti was a mistress. Maybe Esther was a, a mistress. And I didn't think either one fit a mistress's profile based on what Herodotus said of her. So I created a third wife because Xerxes had many wives. But she was, a mistress was the mother of Xerxes' heirs. We don't know if Vashti or Esther ever had children. And so it's hard because those were the only two books that I really tried to intermingle history with scripture. And that was a challenge, way more than the other books were because there wasn't history to intermingle, at least not that I could find. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that is really hard. Why did you pick biblical fiction? to write as opposed to, you know, any other kind of historical fiction. When I was a kid, I read Two from Galilee, The Love Story of Joseph and Mary, and that is a biblical novel on 
the love story of Joseph and Mary. And it made the Bible come alive for me. I fell in love with the Bible after that. So it was my favorite genre for years. I read every novel on, you know, the Bible I could find. And a girlfriend and I co-taught a Bible study on King David. And when it finished, I wanted to read a novel on his life. But I couldn't find a satisfying one. I didn't know anything about writing. And that was when I decided to write the book I wanted to read. In the process of 20 years of learning the craft, I also wrote other genres. I wrote an, a women's fiction. I wrote two or three suspense novels that are still on my computer, not um, in anybody's publishing house at the <laughs> moment. Not sure if they ever will be, but I mean, they taught me to they taught me the craft. And when The Wives of King David first sold to Ravel, that became my brand, you know. And so that's what I'm branded as. Could I write other things? Probably. Would people read them and follow me? I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to think so, but I still have a desire to write from the Bible. So Right now, I have two more books I have to write for contract, and I'm pondering what might come next. So, What is your goal in writing biblical fiction in general and in writing Miriam's song in particular? Well, in general, my theme, no matter what I write, and it didn't come about on purpose. It came about kind of organically out of my life is to write about forgiveness, to point people to read the scriptures, to write about God's love for us, reconciliation, restoration, everything that the gospel's about. Even though it's coming from the Old Testament, the gospel is all throughout the Bible, and New Testament truth is all interwoven throughout the prophets and the, the Psalms and, and every part of the Old Testament from Genesis to, I think it's Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. But anyway, Miriam's song in general, I didn't know when I agreed to write that book how hard it would be. So I didn't really have a goal for it. But as I wrote it, my goal now is I hope people see the holiness of and glory of God, because those two things really impacted me as I studied the scripture and wrote her story. Two different scenes of God's glory or his holiness on the mountain, wanting relationship with the people, but his holiness couldn't interact with their sin. And also when the 70 elders were up on the mountain eating dinner with God and then ended up sinning against him later anyway. And I'm like, how could you do that? But yeah, we do it anyway. We, I think we need a bigger, better picture of God's grace, holiness, and glory. And if even as believers in Jesus, we miss that way more than we should. I do. And I hope that readers will catch what I did as I wrote it. You did a very good job of bringing that out. As I read the book, it certainly struck me really from a very fresh perspective, reading it through Miriam's eyes and in her point of view, what it must have been like to see the holiness of God up there 
on the mountain in the cloud to hear the trumpets and the thunder. And that must have been absolutely terrifying. So you did a really good job of bringing that out. And it did. You accomplished your goal, at least with me. It made me stop and really think about, wow, God is holy. And the fact that nowadays after Christ, we can just enter into his presence anytime because of his grace and Jesus' blood. It just That just gave me goosebumps. So thank you oh, for doing oh. that. Thank you for uh, telling me that because, you know, not everybody catches it. Not everybody's going to relate the way you want them to. And it's nice when someone does because you really want, I, I want God to be given what he's due in that. That's the purpose. And when someone misses it, that make, that's sad, you know, because then I feel like I failed to give that what I wanted to give it, but I'm glad that in your case that I didn't fail with it, it came through. And I mean, that's, that's God's grace. I'm grateful that you saw that. Certainly did. Now you mentioned that you've written some nonfiction books as well as your fiction, which came first, the fiction or the nonfiction? The fiction. In 2016, I think it was, uh, we were in California. Our, our first granddaughter was born, and we m met with my agent. She lives out there. And um, I just had an idea, and, and it was not supposed to be what it turned out to be. I had this idea of kind of, because I write blog posts, but I don't write them as much as I used to. I used to write so many. I thought, why am I writing so many a day? <laughs> I mean, a week, you know, it's like every day I was writing one, but that was way long ago. But anyway, I had an idea for like a, a fictional scene of a character from scripture, a woman from scripture, and then like a blog post commentary on it with like a devotional type prayer at the end, you know, like more like a devotional thing. I had 24, five women in mind, I think. And my agent loved the idea. But when she proposed it to Ravel, they said, well, let's do two books, break them into 12 each, and let's go deeper. And let's make this longer. And I went, this is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I had never written nonfiction. And I, I was like, that's why parts of it, the books are, are partial fiction. Because I create fictional scene with, you know, like a commentary of how maybe it applies to people in our world today. And then I write another fictional scene to continue the story. And then, and then there's more and how to, you know, what we can learn from it or what we know. And then things to ponder, questions to ask. So the first book, uh, When Life Doesn't Match Your Dreams, was a little more memoirish. And at the time, I think I was a little going through a little more struggle. So it's not as it's for people that, you know, need to have someone relate to the struggles they're in right now. The next one was She Walked Before Us. And that one is a little more upbeat, but it was also harder to write than I thought because I had written novels on almost every one of the women and since then on Miriam, too. So. When I got to The Wives of David, I thought, oh, this is a piece of cake. I've done those books. I know all these women, right? And then I went, wait a minute. I've never, I, I wrote Abigail as an abused woman, at least verbally. And I wrote 
well, we know Ahinoam had her son commit rape and was murdered. Then we know Maaka murdered his brother. And I'm like, I can't relate to these women. None of that has happened to me. And so that became a, let's change this from an, a, a memoirish personal experience to a, this is what we know about the woman. We changed that a little bit more. It's a, maybe more Bible study-ish, but both of them can be used in a study supplement or a devotional to enhance your understanding of those women. Sound very interesting. I'm going to have to look Thanks. into those for sure. <laughs> Thanks. I was on your website looking around, and I suggest everybody go take a look at your website. And I saw that you took a trip to Israel a number of years ago, but I'm sure that you must use that in your books and your research. Tell us a little bit about that trip. Oh, that was like a dream come true. And it happened really perfectly because I homeschooled my boys for 12 years. We graduated our youngest in 2006. And in 2007, I sold my first book. And by that following, that was like November, October, November. And that following March, our church was taking a trip to Israel. We got in on the last, just heard about it at the almost the end of when they were planning it. And so we said, there was still room to go. And we decided the boys are all adults. They can stay home. They didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to spend for all of us to go. We would have loved to have taken them, but they, they had their own things. And so we went and I mean, my husband took 1,300 pictures, and I took all the notes. So <laughs> all the pictures are not on the website, but as many as I could post. I mean, he got a lot of photos of archaeological digs that we didn't even know were what they were. And he got a lot of scenery, and we went to different places that uh, related directly to either ancient Israel or ancient Rome. And of course, you do all the touristy sites, but we took as many photos and, and notes as we could. And I blogged about all of it. So there, you can click on the blog about Israel to read about what I'd learned for those 10 days, seven days. I, we were there for over a week. It was a great trip. And I wish I was young enough and able enough to walk it again. You know, I'd go back, but it's a lot of walking. And a lot of climbing stairs up and down and down into caverns and uh, in through very narrow passageways, just a lot of underground stuff that wasn't my favorite. But I would go back to see other things that we missed if we could. But right now, it's not a good time to go. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> no. Wow, that's really, really fascinating. And I know it. A lot of people have that on their bucket list of somewhere where they would like to go. And I'm sure it just has to be fascinating. I would love to. I'd go back, but there's other places I'd love to see too. So True. I don't know. True. It, it, Jerusalem felt like home. I have to add that. it was. I got there and I looked at the sunrise over Jerusalem one morning and I just, it was the only place on earth besides where I live now that felt like home. Mm -hmm. And I can't even explain it. It's just was a weird feeling, but it, it did. Felt like I belonged there, even though I'm not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really interesting. Really neat. Yeah. So you've mentioned that you have a couple of more books coming out. Can you tell us what's next from you? 
Well, Joseph's story just was turned in earlier this month. I've not received edits yet back on that one. So once they accept that, it'll go in-house and get edited and the cover will be made. And then right now I'm studying Eve's story. I'm going to do Eve and Noah's wife after that. And then I'll be talking to my agent about ideas after that. I really am struggling because I've had all the main characters of the women in the Old Testament, I've covered almost every one of them, except maybe Hosea's wife. There's the New Testament I haven't covered, of course, but that was not my forte, but I'm starting to get a little interested in it. So I don't know. I don't know what God has in store or what Ravel might want from me, if anything. We'll see. Well, it'd be interesting, but we'll be looking forward to Joseph's story and then Eve and Noah's wife. So that will be very interesting coming up. If listeners would like to connect with you, where can they go to find you? The best place is my website, jilleileensmith.com. Sign up for my newsletter because those are the two best ways. That's my property, so to speak. You know, it's like I'll be on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Pinterest. Well, I'm not really on Pinterest much, but Twitter and Instagram. But you never know with social media the future of it. So I always direct people to my newsletter and my website. And I'll tr- I, you can write me through those and I will answer. I might not answer that same day, but I will answer. That's where all my books are too. And there's links to every place to buy it on the books page. And you can also get some sign. You can pay for signed copies. I do have a few copies of some of my books that are available for sale if people would prefer that through me instead of a bookstore. So, Great. Good to know. Do you have any last words for the listeners? I hope that my work points you back to God. You know, biblical fiction is meant to, at least in my mind, is meant to point the reader to the Bible. Don't ever take a biblical novelist's words at face value and say, this is truth. This is fiction. You, you need to go back and read, what does the Bible say? And keep that in mind as that's what God told us. Everything else is just trying to imagine how it might have happened, what their motives might have been, and not what happened, but, you know, like, where in the culture and and put you there to try to make it feel the way maybe the person felt. But it's still all, that's an imaginative view of it, which is fine to be imaginative. We do it when we read the Bible. We try to envision, what was that like? You know, and biblical fiction just tries to put that on paper for people who maybe don't have the great ability to visualize it. I'm very visual. That's not that it's great, but just that I'm That's how I am, and some people can't visualize. Like, I can't visualize a room that's empty. Somebody needs to decorate it for me. (laughs) But I can visualize other things that I read. So that's what it's meant to do. But always go back to see what God said. God's word's the only truth. God is truth, and that's what I hope people love truth and love him. Because that's my, my sole desire in life is to see the whole world know Jesus and love Jesus, and be there in with us eternally worshiping Jesus, because I can't imagine anything that is better. Amen. 
Well, thank you so much. It has been a real joy and pleasure to have you with us. We really appreciate it. And we wish God's blessings on you and any work you do going forward. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Thank you so much to Jill Eileen Smith for joining us this week. Certainly learned a lot. If you are a fan of biblical fiction, then be sure to pick up Miriam's song. Even if biblical fiction maybe isn't your genre, you may still want to check this out because I have a feeling you're really going to enjoy this book and learn a lot from it. If you would like more information about Jill or about her books, please check out the show notes on my website, which is liztolsma.com. If the website is still under construction, which it may well be, then please go to christianhistoricalfiction.buzzsprout.com. You can find all the same information there. You can find out more about Jill and about her books, and there will be a buy link for Miriam's song there. Then please join me next week when we're going to be going back to a topic just for a week before we have a few more guests. And next week's topic is going to be what are your favorite Christian historical fiction series. So if you have a series that you've really enjoyed, either one that you're in the middle of now, one that you're looking forward to coming out, or one that you've read in the past, then please weigh in on this question. You can have your say if you find Christian historical fiction talk on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I will pose the question in all three places there, and I'd love to have your input. Then listen in next week and see if I talk about the series that you have found most enjoyable. That's about all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you later.